Hello and welcome to Solid Steps Radio. My name is Chad Russell, that is Kurt Souter, and we are doing a little show here called Solid Steps Radio that a few years ago we got together and said, hey, let's do a show for men as our main audience. We have a lot of lady listeners, and that's more than welcome, but we wanted to have guys as our primary audience, and we wanted to talk about things that guys aren't talking about in everyday conversations. We can talk about sports, and we can talk about politics, and we can talk about weather, but at some point, when are we going to start talking about the things of of depth and life and what bring you life? And one of the things that we on this show wanted to do, introduce to men, is uh, how do we how do we handle God and God's word? And I got a friend of mine, Brian, who says there's two things you got to handle well. You got to handle people, and you got to handle God's word. Hmm. And uh, that'll we, preach, man. Yeah, we're going to talk today handling God's word. Uh, about the book of Genesis, which is one of those books that you constantly can refer back to uh, in regards to even the first few chapters of Genesis. But today we're going to talk with Dr. Eric Schonsberg about uh, Abraham and, and walking through about, you know, we're going to cover about, you know, 10 chapters of Genesis in about an hour, but uh, really an overarching theme and how that relates to us in our everyday walk with God now. You know, Chad, and, and we're going to look specifically at the life of Abraham and how Abraham uh, was such a, uh, you know, ordinary guy, and yet God used him in extraordinary ways. And all his mishaps and his fumbling the ball, and yet he was a man of faith. So, uh, Eric, welcome back to the show. Glad to be here. It's uh, it's great to have you. And uh uh, brother, this all really started when you when you and I were in Africa several years ago, and I heard you teaching through Genesis, and I go, dude, that was awesome, man. That was really good. Uh, and so, so we're just continuing to expand it. You've been on the radio uh, several times, and uh, last time we talked about primarily Noah, uh, you know, earlier in the book of Genesis, and you know, Noah did some you know some good some good things, and uh, you know, God used him to really save you know. His family and uh, all of mankind. <laughs> well, <laughs> in some capacity, yeah, uh, yeah. He kept he kept mankind going right. uh, with his family. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody else was destroyed. Um, but now we've, we're kind of transitioning into Abraham. But uh, t- talk to our listeners a little bit about um, you touched on that last time when you were on the on the radio with us. Uh, the difference between Noah and Abraham. Yeah, so in, uh, and I, I really started to understand this after reading some Jewish commentators that for them, for I think for Christians, Noah and Abraham are part of this, uh, you know, a crowd of witnesses and, and, and that they're all kind of interchangeable biblical heroes. And, uh, but in Jewish uh, faith and uh, Jewish understanding, Abraham is far greater than Noah. And when you start to read and think through some of the details, it starts to make sense that Noah uh, kept his family dry, kept, uh, it was a good guy, righteous man, obedient, but at the end of the day, he's only able to save his family. And, uh, you know, there's some interesting nuggets in the story, chapters eight and nine, where he, uh, sins on the way out the boat, he sins in chapter eight, verses 16 and 18. And then the famous sin where he's drunken. And at the end of it, you're like, ah, this is not really the end of it. I mean, Noah's a, a righteous man, blameless, but at the end of the day, he, he really can't move God's plan uh, forward in the sense that Abraham's going to. So Abraham is is that man. And it's funny that Chad mentions handling God's word and handling the wor- world, because that's exactly what Abraham does. God's going to work with him to get his family straight 
and then uh, to interact with the world in a faithful manner that's going to move God's kingdom forward in a way that goes way beyond what Noah was doing. I mean, Noah did some remarkable things in that he, you know, he was faithful in building this enormous, you know, boat, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, but but he was a little bit more short-sighted. Mm-hmm. And Abraham, even though we're we're going to talk this morning uh, and and uh, you know regarding he does fumble the ball, you know, a little bit, and he's not. He's not perfect, which, yeah. you know, which, in in so many ways, I look at Abraham like I'm, I'm, I'm like him, you know. I, you know, do some goofball things, and we were uh, before we started this morning. <laughs> we're, we we all we all are fumbling the ball periodically. Yeah, Noah is, in a way, inaccessible to us because he just seems like you know uh, such a righteous man. He builds this boat, and I think all of us look at that and go, "Man, I could never do that," you know. And but at the end of it, he he has these you know struggles that are kind of behind the scenes, and I think that's kind of like righteous people sometimes too. I mean, they they have the exterior, they do some extraordinary things, but at the end of it, they're a mess, and they don't necessarily impact the world in a a huge manner. But Abraham, I think, is more accessible to us. He's a very ordinary man in some ways who takes some extraordinary steps, but he bumps around, he makes mistakes with his family uh, and dealing with the world. And that's, you know, very hopeful for us. We read that story and think that I could, I could be that guy. I can be a, a man that can influence the kingdom through God's help, through God's grace, through his empowerment. Uh, I, can, I can be Abraham. I can be a man of faith and I can grow in that faith from a Genesis 12 to Genesis 22. A lot of times I think when we hear that we are a man of faith, we're a man of God, that we, we never blow it. And um, and obviously there's consequences when we do blow it, but in, in this context, Abraham is moving. He's growing in his faith. Mm-hmm. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I think you know back to Noah that he was blameless, but he's almost viewed as the he's almost portrayed as a static figure. He's the man of faith. He's the you know he's he's he reaches the standard it seems like uh, from the minute we read about him in the scripture but abraham is showed, shown as a work in progress and that's that's who we are uh, the man of faith is is one who stumbles but gets up again it says in proverbs and so Noah's a righteous man, but I don't think we can look at his life and go, I, you know, kind of I aspire to that because we're not shown anything about the progress uh, of his faith and of his walk that like we are with Abraham. Yeah, I mean, Abraham, you, you see kind of he, he moves from A to B to C, you know, he's moving down the line in growing in his faith. What, what are some things that really stick out to you as he is... Uh, growing in his faith and in his walk with God. Yeah, small thing too. You know, Paul talks about showing, he says to Timothy, show them your progress. He doesn't say show them your perfection, show them your progress. So we're called in a, in a life of faith to progress and to share that with other people. Uh, with Abraham, I, you know, I think God is looking forward and trying to, you know, he wants there to be this thing called the nation of Israel, which we'll read about in the next book of the Bible, Exodus. But how do you go from Abraham a man of faith to a nation. And it requires that you run your family well. You can't, as uh, Leon Cass says, you can't have a nation without good families. Mm. And so, you know, Abraham has got to run his family well. If we look at some early family stuff in Genesis, Cain and Abel didn't go so well. You know, and sibling rivalry will continue throughout Genesis. But if you can't get the family right, how, can, how on earth can you have a nation? Uh, and so that's got to get fixed. And then Abraham's got to deal with the world well. 
you know, again, Noah was, uh, you know, effective in, in a way, but Abraham is going to show us a way to interact faithfully and fruitfully with the world around him. And again, that's necessary for God's people as well. You got to have your family rights. You got to work on that. Um, you know, but you also have to interact faithfully and fruitfully with the world around you. What, 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 what did um, <clears throat> Abraham do regarding his family as he, as he continued to be a husband and a dad? Where, where did he, you know, really do well and where did he stumble a little bit? Yeah, so we're, we're shown, you know, Abraham's a very flawed man uh, with respect to family. And so God is going to work on that. And so, you know, when you read uh, chapters like uh, Genesis 12 and 20, he makes the same mistake with his wife. Uh, he's not uh, exactly a, a, a New Testament husband or a, a ladies man or I don't know what, what you'd call him, but he's, he's a mess with his wife and, and God's working on that with him and wants him to treat his wife uh, with, with more reverence. And, and he makes some pretty significant mistakes there. And then with kids, same thing. Well, but before you get to the kids thing, tell, talk to our listeners about you know, what he really does. Uh, you know, kind of summarize that real quick. Well, in, ch- in chapter 12, he ends up in Egypt and he's worried about his own skin and, and he starts, he pretends that Sarah is his sister. His wa- he pretends that his wife is his sister. And, um, you know, he has, he has great faith early in chapter 12, but he seems to take matters into his own hands and uh, doesn't have uh, a lot of faith in chapter 12. But, you know, Sarah uh, uh, is not treated appropriately in that chapter and God bails him out and they move on. But, and then he makes the same mistake in chapter 20, or a very similar mistake uh, with Abimelech, uh, the same sort of thing. So, you know, he, that, yeah, he, he said again to, to the king, hey, hey, she is my sister, yeah. again, to save his, save his hide. Right. <laughs> yeah, so Kind of throwing his wife under the bus. He's protecting himself, in, or he thinks he's protecting himself, but his wife is the one that takes the brunt of that. And so... You know, again, he's he's very flawed in in that sense. Uh, he does some other good things. I mean, a, a man of his wealth and power would have, you know, in that culture would have been expected to take many, many wives. And despite Sarah's infertility, um, he he doesn't seek that out. So he he does some wonderful things also with respect to marriage, apparently. Uh, but you know, he's very much a work in progress in in with respect to his marriage and family. So we're going to take a break and come back and talk in another three more segments about Abraham and his life and and how we can see how our walk with God, uh, we can use Abraham as as a great model, but also as somebody we can relate to in being just a bonehead sometimes. So uh, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back shortly to talk more about Genesis, Abraham, and our walk with God here on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to Solid Steps Radio. Chad Russell with Kurt Souter. We're here with Dr. Eric Schonsberg talking about uh, the book of Genesis. We're walking through. We've, we've had on Eric before talking about Genesis, and we're continuing that conversation through a lengthy but rich book. And uh, speaking of rich, if your finances are, are you got so much money you don't know where to put it, go to Ellen and Credit Union. They will take care of all your financial needs, uh, personal checking, business, car loans, home loans, you name it. Uh, Ellen and Credit Union, they've been around for about as long as Abraham was around. And uh, they're a great, uh, great sponsor of our show, but also a great pillar in our community. And also Vision First Eye Care. Uh, Vision First is a wonderful organization that helps you in your vision 
uh, not just to, the, to see better, but also the health of your eyes. And uh, they care about you as a person, not just a set of eyeballs. And Vision First, Rod Rollo and his crew all over the Kentuckiana area uh, here locally in Louisville area. So if you need your eyes taken care of, go to Vision First. So, okay, Eric, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about Abraham as a husband, but he hasn't been a dad yet. And, uh, you know, God promised Abraham, hey, hey, there, you, out of you is going to come, you know, th- this, you're going to be a blessing to all the peoples of the world, all the nations of the world, which means you got to have kids, but he doesn't have any kids. And you have to have kids and you have to pass that faith on to the kids. Again, it doesn't, from God's perspective, right, just having a faithful man, Abraham, doesn't get you to a faithful nation. Mm. You have to, how, do you, how does the faith get transmitted? So Abraham apparently needs to be a much better father than is typical of that time. The key story there is the uh, chapter 17 with circumcision. And one of the things I was surprised to learn uh, is, and I think is a, a common misconception, uh, misconception is uh, that people imagine that that circumcision was a new invention by God in chapter 17. But like many other things, God redeems uh, practices and lives and all kinds of things. Circumcision was practiced, but it was typically practiced on uh, kids as a rite of passage. Young men uh, would come to say age 13, and then there'd be circumcision at age 13. Uh, as a painful rite of passage, right? And then you would do other guy things. You would be invited into the the man's world after you got circumcised. Maybe you'd go off and, you know, kill people or sleep with a lady or whatever. And then you were invited into manhood at that point. And so the innovation in chapter 17 is saying, no, Abraham, I want you to circumcise uh, the child at in the first week of birth. In other words, I want you to be involved in your kid's life, not at, just at age 13 and inviting him into manhood, whatever the world considers that to be, but you're to be involved from the first week of his life mm. and making a difference. And so that's the radical change of circumcision. That's the radical change that God wants from Abraham as a father to be involved in his kid's life. And um, I, I mean, from the get go, you, you, you are a dad, you're a father, Abraham, I, I need you to father well. Um, but let's back up a little bit, because before he ever has Isaac, who is the son of promise, uh, he, 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 he can't get, he and Sarah can't have kids. There, there, there's problems going on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, describe that. Well, God, God has promised him land and God has promised him descendants as numerous as the stars and the, the, the grains of sand. But, you know, there's no kids forthcoming. And so he's he's been promised descendants, but he doesn't know quite what that means. You know, one possibility is he brings Lot, his nephew, with him. And he may be thinking that's kind of the backup plan that, you know, you'd have a, a descendant of sort through a distant family member. And then Lot kind of moves away. We'll probably talk about that later. And then he, in chapter 15, he uh, tells God, I, you know, it's my, maybe it's my servant Eliezer. That, that, that's going to be the descendant. Uh, but then God says to him, no, it's going to be a son uh, through your body. But one thing that people overlook is that it, it, uh, Sarah's not mentioned. It, you know, the explicit promise in chapter 15 is the son will come through your body. And so it leaves open the question of which woman is the body going to, uh, is the baby going to come through? And you get to the next chapter in 16, and Sarah uh, says, hey, well, maybe you should sleep with uh, the maidservant, Hagar, and have a child that way. 
And that would fulfill the promise, right? Because you would have a child through Abraham's body, as promised in chapter 15, and God's not specified the woman. So maybe it's God's plan that it would come through our, uh, our maid servant, Hagar. Uh, Sarah suggests this. You might hope that Abraham would say <laughs> no, but... Abraham's a little compromised from the way he's treated Sarah in the, in the past. Uh, Sarah suggests this, and maybe maybe he's really excited about this. We don't really know. It's not in the scriptures. But uh, in any case, uh, he doesn't say no. He goes along with his wife Sarah's plan and has uh, a baby through Hagar. And, you know, it's, it's really interesting. Uh, even though that wasn't God's plan, uh, God still is involved. Yep. And I think for us, you know, the, there's a temptation when we know kind of God's general plan. Maybe we don't know the specifics. Maybe we don't know the timing. I mean, it's been a long time to cut Abraham and Sarah some slack. I mean, they're getting old, really old. And God made these promises years ago. Yeah, I mean, because Ishmael, who, who is the son, he, he's born when Abraham is 80, 86, 80, I think. 80, I think 86 years old. Yeah. So, I mean, that's like... Um, He's 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 doing this in his mid 80s. Mm-hmm. And and Abraham's like, well, I mean, I'm not going to live forever. And God has promised. So, I mean, I, I, we do need to probably give him some slack, right. even though. And Sarah, too. I mean, she's in her mid 70s and, you know, I don't see any kids forthcoming here. And so yeah, maybe Hagar is the plan. I think when we read Genesis, sometimes we think God's like showing up every week to have lunch with Abraham or something, but because there's all these stories of God showing up, but this is over the course of, you know, 25 years of his life, God's showing up on occasion and it's been a while, you know, God's made this promise, but you know, years have passed and, and there's no kid coming. So if God's silent and this seems like a reasonable thing and hey, everyone else is doing it, this is how other people have kids and she's infertile. So yeah, why not? Let's let's go this route and let's let's get ourselves a descendant. Let's get rolling. So uh, you know, Ishmael's born mid uh, to you know eighty six ish years old, um, and and God's going no that no, Ishmael's not it, and so Abraham and Sarah have to wait another almost thirteen years before before what happens. Well, then then uh, the angels come and promise that Sarah in fact will have. Uh, the kid. The funny thing is that God doesn't show up until 13 years later. So for 13 years, 12 or 13 years, they think Ishmael is the promised child. God doesn't come in right away and rebuke them or say, oh, that was, well, that was stupid. Uh, or that was, he never really says that was stupid. He just says uh, 13 years later, hey, by the way, here comes the promised child. So for 13 years, Abraham and Sarah and Hagar all imagine that this is the right way to, to have gone. And it's not till 13 years later that God uh, comes through the angels and says, hey, no, the child of promise is coming. It will come through Sarah, by the way, and uh, his name will be Isaac. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting how long they, they didn't just wait a few years. They waited decades mm-hmm. for this promised child. And Abraham is 99 years old. Uh, Sarah is, you know, in her 80s. And, and, and finally the son of promise comes. Mm-hmm. And so it's tough with temptation, you know, when time passes and we get, you know, uh, the how longs of, of scripture and life are, are difficult and we can handle, you know, illness for a day or two, but when it goes two weeks, you know, it gets, gets challenging when, you know, when, when, you know, uh, this guy's being a knucklehead at work, I can, you know, can handle that for a while, but man, it just gets old. And so can we persevere, uh, through difficult circumstances and that there, there's, 
Uh, there's a lot to that. And so they've been through this really long trial. God's not been explicit with them exactly how it's going to work out. They take things into their own hands. Uh, they pursue a method that, that God doesn't uh, ultimately endorse and causes a lot of trouble. But if they'd been more patient, you know, the promised child was on the way. You know, I, I mean, this whole patient thing, I mean, it really, I mean, you're waiting decades. It's hard. I, it reminds me of when, you know, David is anointed by Samuel and says, you're, you're the next king of Israel. Well, you would think, hey, well, next month that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. No, it's not next month. It's not next year. It's, it's over 10 years. And it's actually over 17 years before he finally takes over the full kingdom. And like, my goodness, he had to wait a long time. And Abraham and Sarah had to wait a long, long time. I got a question. In, in 17, it, it, th- that wasn't the plan for him to go through, through the, 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 the maid hey, servant, yeah. right? But then God says, as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I sh- will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers and make him into a great nation. It seems, seems like God, but that na- those nations ended up being a big thorn in the side mm-hmm. of the Jews, yep. of Jewish nation. Why would God do that? Yeah. That, that? That to me doesn't, I've never understood why he says, I'm going to make this a great nation. And is he doing that as a sort of punishment and saying, you know what, you got ahead of me and now this is what's going to happen? I just have never understood. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, the scripture doesn't doesn't say. It is interesting that God, that God blesses uh, you know, that fruit. And I think, you know, Ab- his work with Abraham is going to be very fruitful. He's going to, he is going to be the father of many nations. And that's going to include, uh, through Ishmael, uh, you know, tremendous, uh, population as well. Yeah. I, I think we, we, we miss sometimes how God uses even the negative things right. and he, and he uses it in, in a positive way right. as only he can. Right. Yeah, and that, that was just one of those things that I, I thought it was always interesting that, you know, in, in the modern day Ishmael is the is the uh, uh, Aramaic nations. Is that right? The Arab, yeah. Arab, the Arab. I'm sorry, the Arabic nations. So it's like they they are in war with the Jews and they always have been. So it's like you see this conflict from from the beginning. So yeah. all right, we're going to take a break. Come back in two more segments. Uh, we're going to talk more, unpack more about. This life of Abraham and how uh, a changed man can change a whole life of many people and how influential one person can be in our life and how we can be that influential in others. So we're going to take a break. Be back shortly on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to Solid Steps Radio. Chad Russell and Kurt Satter. You're here with Dr. Eric Schonsberg talking about Abraham. And walking through Genesis 12 through 22 and uh, covering a lot of ground today, but just giving a real big 30,000 foot view. And uh, if you need a 30,000 foot view of your septic system, uh, boy, that's a good view to have because if you have a septic problem, you got a lot of problems. And Frank Enterprises, they're a crew that takes care of those items. If you've got some water drainage problems outside and it's not going where it's supposed to go, whether it's septic tank or just overall water waste, Frank Enterprise has been doing it for 20 plus years, and that crew that will take care of you. And also, we want to thank Bright Star Home Care. They're an organization that walks people through one of the diff- most difficult, challenging seasons of their life. If you've got a loved one who needs some care, an elderly person, or at least someone who's getting to the age where they just need some help, one day a week or 24 7 care, Bright Star Home Care can walk through that process with you, and that is an incredibly 
uh, incredible, important ministry in people's lives. So we want to thank both of those folks for sponsoring our show. So, okay, so Eric, you know, Abraham is, uh, you know, he's he's bumping along here. He's he's uh, making progress. He's, you know, the New Testament calls him, you know, a man of faith. Um, even in the midst of, you know, he takes his handmaiden, uh, you know, Hagar, and, uh, you know, he sleeps with her, and they have Ishmael, and uh, they're still kind of impatient. But, yeah, uh, but talk a little bit about the passivity of Abraham. Yeah, as God's working with him on the, the family thing, uh, being a better husband, I mean, again, it's striking that we see the passivity of Abram here. You would hope that he would uh, lead more effectively, say something, and instead he just goes along with Sarah's plan. And like we did two shows ago, I mean, it's really Adam's passivity and the silence of Adam that causes so much trouble in Genesis 3 that we talk about Eve getting into trouble with the serpent and the fruit, but Adam's standing there like a dope and not doing anything. And so, you know, it says in... Like chapter, a dope. I like that. <laughs> chapter 3, verse 6, part B, you know, it just says he was standing there. So, you know, he's not intervening. He's passive. It's the silence of Adam that causes trouble. And really the silence of Abram uh, gets them in trouble here as well. So I think there's a call. I mean, there's something about men throughout Genesis. And I think to the this day where passivity is a, a real problem for us, you know, we're either into toxic masculinity and we're doing all kinds of stupid stuff or we go to the other era which is just passivity and we kind of let other people run the show and uh what uh noah or i'm sorry what um adam and and then abraham are showing us here is that passivity and how much damage it can cause yeah i was i i've shared with my son drew uh, you know growing up i said buddy it's the three p's you got to watch out for your for a pride for purity and this whole passivity thing, uh, it, it, we we gotta we gotta have victory in this area of passivity. The the beautiful thing about Abraham is that yes, he is passive at times, but there also he he comes around. Yep. And and uh, in a couple instances, he really steps up to the plate and is proactive. Yeah, I mean he's great at church. I mean he's offering sacrifices. He's a great worker. And then chapter 14 is a great warrior. You know, he, he's a leader of men. He's so he's great at work. He's great uh, at church. Uh, but the, the home thing really needs some work, you know, and and so God's working on him with that. But, yeah, you know, the other thing we talked about is if you're going to build a nation that's going to do God's work, you need it to interact faithfully and fruitfully with the world around them. And we see. Uh, Abram dealing effectively with very effectively with the world around him, starting with his nephew Lot. Uh, so in chapter 13, a fairly famous story, uh, they have a lot of uh, wealth and uh, it's getting crowded. And uh, Abram says to Lot, you know, look, at our, our shepherds are fighting. Uh, basically, I don't want this to come between us and cause trouble. Hey, you just you you look whichever way you want and you can have whatever land you want. You go your way and I'll, I'll take second choice. And that's an amazing moment. I mean, here's Abram, who's the big cheese. He's the, you know, the man of God. He's right, the old he's, guy. He's the, and he's the uncle. Yeah, he's the uncle. And he says to Lot, his nephew, hey, you get your choice. So what's more, you know, magnanimous than that for Abram to put Lot first and Lot comes off as a bit of a mess, so we don't know how big of a mess, but, you know, his nephew is kind of, eh, and he, he still says to him, hey, look, you, you know, you get to choose here. And a lot of wisdom in that, I mean, just in how he's handling Lot uh, and just uh, handling this difficult situation. He also, with Lot, so Lot, uh, he says, you go, if you go right, I'll go left, or if you go left, I'll go right. 
And, and of course, Lot moves and gravitates toward Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm-hmm. But there's this big battle that goes on, and Lot is getting his rear end kicked, basically. And what does Abraham do? Yeah, well, he comes in and rescues him. One more thing to say about that. It's interesting that Lot's choice is by sight. It says he sees the land. And in Genesis, one of the things that pops up over and over again is that our eyes get us in trouble. So hearing comes uh, with the word of the Lord. So hearing is always emphasized in Genesis, but the things we see can be deceiving from Genesis 3, 6, or Genesis 3, rather, with Eve seeing that the fruit of the tree was desirable for gaining wisdom and attractor to the eye and on and on uh, to... Uh, you know, Jacob picking Rachel because she's attractive, right? When, when their, their eyes, the things that are uh, visible in this world can be dangerous. And Lot does the same thing. He looks and he sees fertile land and says, I'm going to go there. Abram's walking by sight or by faith. Lot is walking by sight. And so, again, the difference between the, the man of the world and the man of God uh, Abram does well there. But then, yes, Lot gets himself in trouble because it's fertile. It's attracted a lot of worldly attention. Uh, there's a lot of uh, rough people there. Lot gets himself in trouble. And so in chapter 14, Abram rounds up 318 trained men, which is an amazing little uh, verse in scripture, and goes out and just runs roughshod over the people that have captured Lot. And, and he delivers Lot. He delivers a bunch of other people. And so, I mean, there's a lot of amazing little things there. How did this guy get 318 trained men? I mean, that tells you how wealthy he was, how influential he was, how organized he was. I mean, there's just a lot of stuff there to be able to pull off uh, all of that. The preparation, um, he's got basically this small army of people ready to go is amazing at many levels. He's some old guy. I mean, he's in his 80s and he's like leading this battle against kings and, and, and is able to pull that off. So, you know, Abraham is a, an amazing man. He goes to bat for people. He fights victories. He's able to mobilize resources. I mean, he's just really interacting with the world, not just in a, you know, impressive worldly sense, but he's fighting for justice. He's fighting for the oppressed. He's, you know, you know he's, he's getting the job done. It's very impressive. Well, and, and, and then, uh, you know, kind of fast forward because um, God is going to come and the famous story of he's going to, destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Their, their, their wickedness and evil is so wretched, is so vile before God that God says, I, I've, I've, we've got to clean this up. Mm-hmm. And, and Abraham does something else really remarkable. Yeah, again, he goes to bat for the, the, the righteous in Sodom and Gomorrah. God, God shows up and you know, he says, I basically I plan to destroy the place. I've, I've, uh, I've, word has gotten to me that it's a really nasty place and I'm going to destroy it. And then a- Abram goes to Abraham at that point, he's been renamed, uh, goes to bat for the people and says, look, if there's 50 righteous people, you know, would you, would you really destroy the city? And basically bargains God down is the way it reads down to 10 people. And, uh, and then if there's 10 people, he won't, won't destroy the city is what God says. Uh, and so out of that, there turns out there aren't 10 people, uh, but, but the, the righteous are saved out of that. And again, it's just interesting, you, you know, Noah gets on a boat and escapes, but Abram is in there wrestling with God over saving people, going to bat for them. And these are people he doesn't know. They're people that are in a, you know, a they're, they're jacked total, up city. And, yeah, they're total pagans. Yeah, and he goes to bat for them. And so that's the man that changes the world. You know, the guy that builds the boat and escapes from the world and, and stays dry, okay, that's impressive. But the guy who gets his hands dirty 
in this world is, is the one who's going to bring salvation, God's salvation to the people. And a guy that cares about other people like Abram does. I mean, he cares for his nephew, Lot, who's probably a bit of a bonehead. And then you've got him going to the bat even for the righteous in this, this other city that's full of pagans. And I mean, it's just remarkable uh, and that's the kind of man that, that God wants. Yeah, you, you see Abraham becoming this, um, you know, earlier, he's, you know, still messing, you know, messing up, but he's, he's becoming. And, and that's what I love about the story of Abraham. It, it gives guys like us hope. Um, we, we can be making poor decisions and yet over time, God is a redeeming God. Mm -hmm. God is a God of movement, and he's, he's at work in our lives. I'm reminded of what Philippians uh, 1 says, he who began a good work in Abraham, he who began a good work in Chad, he who began a good work in you, Eric, he will bring it to completion mm -hmm. on the day of Christ Jesus. He's this God that's constantly working. Um, so uh, I think another point to make here is back to that military thing. That he was, um, you know, if, if you got an effective military, what's the old thing? If, if the only hammer you got, or the only tool you got is a hammer, everything starts looking like a nail. He's got this army. He's had success. And you can picture him going, you know, God, that Sodom and Gomorrah thing, I could take care of that for you. I could, I could go in there and whip up on some people. There's no record of him using his army for anything else. I mean, what, what would the world say? You know, God promised you land. Hey, use your army, go get some land, you know, and so he doesn't do that. You know, we, so we're criticizing him for taking his family matters into his own hands, but he doesn't do that militarily. He just uses it to rescue people. And it's just this one time moment when he marshals these resources, he's ready for war whenever it, it's necessary, but he only does it that one time. So we're going to take a break and come back and do one more segment, which you can't really do Abraham a lot of justice in four segments, but uh, just really we see this man's life that has been so impactful and so selfless and why he's referenced as it, when it comes to faith, Paul references in, in Romans about faith, he points back to Abraham. So we're going to take a break and, and finish more about uh, the story of Abraham and his life here on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to our fourth and final segment today of Solid Steps Radio. Thank you for listening. If you're just joining us, we've been talking about uh, some good theology. Most men need to be able to handle the Word of God well, and uh, not perfectly, but handle it well. And um, Genesis 12 through 22, we're covering the life of Abraham with Dr. Eric Schonsberg. And if you want to hear this in its entirety, go to SoundCloud, iTunes, and just type in Solid Steps Radio, and you can hear all of our shows thanks to our great sponsors, Commercial Free, Dan Hart Financial. If you need to retire and you want to talk about retirement or you've got money and say, hey, what do I want to do with this to make it a wise investment over the long haul? Dan Hart can sit down with you and look at your finances for a free assessment and then kind of help guide you and lead you. Not kind of, but he can help guide and lead you on what biblically wise stewardship looks like. And also uh, Southern Smoke Catering. Dot com southernsmokecatering.com they are a catering only barbecue joint uh, that does incredible work they are actually uh, catering our free listener appreciation yes I said free a listener appreciation event on October the 1st cannot wait to grab a hold of some of that barbecue southernsmokecatering.com and if you want more information on our free listener event uh, go to um, 
furthestoministries.org. Furthestoministries.org. And also I want to thank Southeast Outlook. The Outlook is a publication here in Louisville locally that talks about all of what God's kingdom is doing here, not just in this city, but all around the world. So we want to thank the Outlook for being a sponsor as well. Dude, you're talking this barbecue right now, and I'm kind of hungry. Put, I, I love uh, their uh, little uh, tagline, put some south in your mouth. Man, it is <laughs> really good. He brought some samples in. I highly recommend. Oh, my goodness. Can't wait for the uh, October 1st. Uh, listeners, I hope you can show up. Please RSVP, and I'd uh, love to see you. So, Eric, uh, we got uh, here's last segment here. We're going to wrap up uh, Abraham, and, uh, you know, God finally... Uh, God's word is always true. Sometimes we don't fully understand it. Sometimes it's this mystery piece. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer than we think. His timing is not our timing. Uh, but Abraham finally has the son of promise. Let's talk about Isaac. Yeah, he's he's got the, the family piece of it. And along the way, he's become a, a better family man. Uh, he's interacted well with the world. And so we, we have some promise as we end uh, as, as Abraham's life comes to an end, that God's plan through Abraham can, can bear fruition, that maybe uh, the, the people that Abraham can, can become a nation that will be uh, faithful to God and, and influential in the world that he's built. One of the pieces of that, uh, I was just reminded of 1 Timothy 6, where you know Abraham's a, w- a wealthy man, and he, he brings those resources to bear. 1 Timothy 6.18 talks about being rich in good deeds. Uh, and and being rich in this present world, not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. And Abraham does that. And he not only does that, he models that for his kids and for Isaac in particular. And so uh, in the trans- it's not enough for Abraham to be uh, faithful and walk with God. The, the, the other challenge that comes up here is how do you pass that along to your kids? Mm. And so part of that is is teaching and talking, but a lot of it's modeling. And so uh, Isaac gets to see that in action. He gets to see uh, his, his dad do these various things. There's presumably, you know, dozens of, of stories here that would have been impactful in young Isaac's life uh, in, in terms of him seeing his dad walk faithfully in this world. But the, the, the most memorable one, one that we're given is in chapter 22, uh, and it's the, uh, called The Binding of Isaac. Uh, sometimes it's called the sacrifice of Isaac, except Isaac is not sacrificed. I uh, don't want to give you a spoiler alert there if you haven't read it. But uh, but it's, the, it's certainly the binding of Isaac, and it looks like Isaac is going to be sacrificed. And um, and and that's really amazing because he's the promised son. And, and uh, in Hebrews, we're told that uh, Abraham reasoned that, that God was going to uh, bring him back from the dead. I mean, that's the, the kind of faith he had, that even though God said, I want you to sacrifice your son. Uh, that God or Abraham figured, hey, there must be some some way around this. And the sacrifice is averted at the end. Uh, it's a, it prefigures the person of Jesus, uh, the sacrificial lamb uh, that takes our place. Uh, Isaac is like Jesus, also the only son uh, of the father uh, uh, who's uh, put on the altar. Uh, but this son doesn't have to die. And so uh, I, uh, Abraham's faith, again, is amazing. And again, back to the transmission of faith, Isaac sees that faith in action, and Isaac participates in this moment. I mean, Isaac is old enough to carry the wood. We don't know exactly how old he is, but he's old enough to run away from old uh, Abraham uh, <laughs> if he wanted to. And uh, I'm pretty sure he was quicker than the old man at that point. Probably could have taken him in a fight, you know, if it came to that, beat him with the wood. But, uh, you know, Isaac's participating in this, and so that just tells you something about Isaac's faith, 
uh, what his dad had passed on to him. And, uh, and and just the importance of that transmission of faith from one generation to another. He, he, he sees modeled before his very eyes that he is going to be faithful to God and obey God um, no matter what, even to the death of your son. Yep. And, uh, and of course, as God, you know, in a, in a somewhat miraculous way, provides a sheep, uh, you know, a lamb, a uh, lamb. Uh, a ram in the thicket, um, so Isaac isn't killed, and and then Isaac's Isaac sees this this faith, and um, you know really what we're called to do as men, we are to be a model to follow. I mean that's our calling, and uh, and and we're really called to live a life in such a way. Again, I like what you said earlier. Um, we're to watch our life and doctrine closely, um, and we're—it's not perfection, but it's progress. Um, talk about that just a little bit. Well, I, I think that's uh, is crucial because we're not. I think sometimes we feel pressure to um, give a, give the face of perfection, but that's not real. Uh, the, the the more real thing and the and the more relevant thing is the progress that we feel. And Isaac must have seen that for him to uh, to volunteer for this moment. You know, if Abraham were a loser or a hypocrite or any number of things, and he says to Isaac, hey, let's roll, and then we get up and it's time to do sacrifice, you know, uh, Isaac's not getting on that altar. There's no way. He must have seen a life of faith in his dad, and not a, not a perfect man, uh, surely, because we're, we're shown a lot of warts on Abraham, but enough that uh, Isaac had faith in his father and therefore faith in his heavenly father that uh, obedience and faith was the right thing to do. And, you know, and we look at Abraham, the, the, the patriarchs, we go Abraham and then his son Isaac. And then, of course, Isaac has Jacob and uh, Jacob then has the 12 sons of Israel. And we're seeing this faith that's being passed down through the generations. There's a, there's a verse in uh, Joel chapter 1. Eric, why don't you read that? Yeah, Joel chapter 1, verse 3 says, Tell it to your children, and let your children tell it to their children, and their children to the next generation. So you've got these four generations of faith. You know, what, what Joel misses or what's incomplete here is it, it says, Tell it to your children, and that's fine. You got to tell it to your kids, but you got to live it out. You got to model that thing. And that's, it's, I'm, I'm sure Abraham, uh, Abraham and Isaac had many talks, but at the end of it, if the faith is not modeled, it's not uh, likely to be passed on. Abraham has modeled it. He's been living this faith since he was 75, since he was called out of Babylon. The two bookends of Abraham's story are remarkable. You've got chapter 12, 1 through 3, where he leaves Babylon and everything behind to follow God into the unknown. And then this chapter at the end is also a remarkable bookend of his faith that after a life of walking with God, this is kind of the climax of that moment. And so Isaac has seen, uh, you know, since he was five or six years old, he's seen his dad talk and live out a, a life of faith and obedience to uh, the, the great God that we worship today. Yeah, not perfect, but, but progress. You know, I, I think about us dads, us men, and our incredible privilege and responsibility to live in such a way that we, I love what Steve Farrar says, we really will influence out the next hundred years past our life, our children, our grandchildren, our great 
grandchildren, our great, great grandchildren will be affected, will be influenced by how we live our lives right Mm -hmm. now. The ideal is that you do that from the beginning, but you know, some, some people listen to this are like, you know, I've already screwed up the last 10 years of my kid's life. Okay. Well, today is a new day. Let's, let's get on the horse and let's walk, uh, let's walk faithfully with God as best we can. Let's apologize. Let's repent. Uh, let's, let's, but, and then let's look to put that behind us and progress in a walk of faith. That's going to make a difference in our kids' lives. Yeah. Amen. Eric, awesome to have you back. Mm-hmm. Thanks for coming and sharing. Thanks for uh, just your heart. Would you pray for us, guys? Yes. Pray for us. Lord, we just thank you for uh, today and every opportunity you give us. We thank you for the men listening to this show and uh, whether they've been walking with, with you for years faithfully or whether it's been a, a very bumpy ride or they're just uh, engaging in this faith journey and have made a lot of mistakes. Lord, you're a God of redemption. Uh, you you want the best for us and from us, and you just want us to take that step of faith right now, Lord. And I just pray that you would uh, help men have the courage uh, to do that, the wisdom to f- uh, to work on past mistakes and to, and to move forward in, a, in a, f- a faithful and fruitful manner. Lord, you've called us to, to great things in our family and in the world around us. Let us not settle for passivity or for isolation from the world. Lord, we want to make a difference for your kingdom today and always. And we lift this up to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Mm. Amen. Thanks, bro. Good to be here. Yep. It's awesome. So we look to Abraham and we think, man, that's that's a lot of hard work, a lot of effort I got to put forth. But the truth of the matter is Abraham believed. And just believing, he looked up at the stars and he says, I believe what, you're, what you say, God. And that if we believe in the work of Jesus, that that is what we need to do. Just believe in the work of Christ, to have faith in him. And uh, boy, it's, it's, a, it's encouraging to see that Abraham made lots of mistakes. But remember, he was 75 when his journey began. So it's never too late. And today's not too, uh, a, a day too late for you to be able to start looking in that direction of God and, and see what he can do in your family. So uh, hopefully you've been encouraged by this. Pass this along to someone else who may be encouraged. Uh, thank you for the work of of uh, uh, us giving us the opportunity to do our ministry with you and please pass this along to someone else who may want to hear uh, what we're doing here on solid steps radio so thank you again for listening and we'll talk to you next time on solid steps radio